0: Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, uh, episode 29. Uh, I just wanted to apologize to everybody for uh, taking so long to uh, put up this episode. Um, I was on vacation uh, for a while, and then uh, uh, work was very stressful, and so, um, yeah, I just wasn't able to get to it. also, the nature of this episode um, required... Uh, a great deal of deliberation uh, and prayer on my part, so I wanted to make sure I had some things straight before I went into it so uh but before I get uh, into the episode specifically, uh, I did want to say that um i'm going to be uh, at comic con this weekend that's uh thursday the twenty second through sunday the twenty fifth uh for those that don't listen to Battleship Pretension, there's going to be a, a BP uh, meetup at the Tipsy Crow on 775th Avenue So uh, at 8 p.m. And so if you wanted to come and say hi to David and myself, um, or if you just wanted to come and say hi to me, if you're a listener of this show and not that show, you're more than welcome to. Um, so yeah, and you know, just... I'm going to be there all three days, so keep an eye out for me, and uh, don't hesitate to come up and say hi if you happen to see me. So, um, okay, now, as far as, oh, uh, and then I also want to say uh, thanks to Bobo uh, for being on the show. Uh, that was a really great episode, and, uh, and it would appear that we've gotten some new listeners uh, in the last month. Um, I don't know. Exactly what happened. I don't know if Bobo just has a lot of friends or whatever, but uh, uh, the numbers have gone up significantly in that time. And so, um, if you are new to the show, I just wanted to say uh, welcome and uh, thanks for listening. And so, here we go. Um, So, this episode is going to be, uh, I would venture to say, a little difficult. Uh, it's not going to be. It may not be easy for some people to hear, um, which is going to be, which is kind of strange because the movie we're going to be talking about is Toy Story 3, which is of course a family film. So uh, it's kind of strange that I'm, you know, turning a uh, a delightful family film that is uh, very popular into uh, something of a a complicated, possibly controversial uh, episode. But such is the nature of the show, and uh, we'll see where we go. Um, It is unusual that we've... Let's let's see. So in 29 episodes, this will mark the third that is devoted to a Pixar film, um, which actually should speak volumes about the nature of that company. I know I've said it before in, in previous episodes in which I talked about Wally. Uh, and Up, and even the companion film for Up was Finding Nemo, and so, uh, so I guess technically that's four uh, movies that we that we've talked about. But, um, but yeah, Pixar just really seems to be doing it right. Um, I know that I'm I'm not saying anything new when I when I mention that, but w- what I wanted to say is that uh, so Jay, uh, friend of the show Jason Eakin and myself uh, before Toy Story three came out, he and I were. Having a, a late night, uh, late night discussion at a Denny's, and uh, we were talking about how reluctant we were to see Toy Story three, and how we really didn't know uh, how good it could possibly be. And <laughs> I remember, first off, the trailer didn't give much to go on. Um, the trailer seemed a lot more, a lot more of a standard animated film uh, in the like the DreamWorks variety, like the Shrek movies and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and, and that sort of thing. And, and those movies aren't necessarily bad. Um, well, I mean, the Shrek series is, is pretty rough. Um, but, you know, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Kung Fu Panda, those aren't bad movies. But uh, they, they certainly, this may sound a little, uh, little rough, but uh, they certainly were not up to par. Uh, they weren't up to Pixar's standard. And so, um, so I, I saw the trailer for Toy Story 3, and I remember just thinking, like, oh my gosh, like, first off, I was just kind of frustrated that they were returning to the Toy Story well, um, because I truly felt, having seen Toy Story 2, which came out, you know, 11 years ago at this point, I just thought, well, where else can they take these characters? You know, um, but, uh uh Woody and Buzz um they've already become good friends they've embraced uh the idea of sticking with Andy and and through thick and thin and so wh- where else is there to go um and so uh I really did not have high expectations for the film uh nor did Jason and then of course we both saw the film and uh now it's my it's by far my favorite of the 3 um it's astounding where they took these characters um uh but for those that don't know uh toy story first is the first uh it was pixar's first film and it basically talks about the the secret lives of children's toys when people aren't looking um and in the first in the first film uh, it was about uh a a cowboy marionette doll named woody uh, who belonged to Andy uh a, a young boy and uh he is Andy's favorite toy he gets played with a lot um he's kind of he's kind of the leader of all the other toys in the room and then uh Andy gets um a new toy a really flashy toy a space toy called Buzz Lightyear and uh there's just a great deal of rivalry between them uh and it's the first the first uh film is about them putting aside that learning to to become friends and learning to put aside that that rivalry uh in the second film uh woody discovers that he is a collector's item and that he is part of uh the uh, the woody's roundup gang that includes a, a cowgirl and a horse and an old prospector and he starts to think uh you know where uh you know, where should I be? Should I actually stay uh, with this one kid, knowing full well that sooner or later he's going to grow up, or do I allow myself to, along with the Woody's Roundup gang, do I allow myself to be put on display at a at a toy museum in I think it was Japan? Um, do I do that, and then I bring happiness to you know to to millions of of, of kids, um, and. He eventually decides that the thing to do is to to stick with Andy, to bring to bring to be loyal to Andy because Andy has always been loyal to him. So, um, and I and and of course, loyal not only to Andy but to Buzz and all the other uh, toys in Andy's room because they are friends. And so, I remember just thinking like, okay, well, I guess that's that. He's going to be loyal to Andy, and the end. Uh, not at all, because it's one thing to talk about, oh, well, you know, when Andy, gra- uh, we'll, we'll stick with Andy until he graduates, and then we'll see what happens. It's easy to say that, and then, of course, ten years go by, which is inc- which is insane to think. I mean, I, I saw Toy Story 2 twice in the theater and, uh, and loved it, and it's hard to believe that eleven years have gone by since then. But, uh, anyway, so... Time goes by, and all of a sudden, it's time for Andy to go to college. And what do we do? Um, I will say right now, of course, um, spoilers for this uh, for this film, along with the companion film. Uh, there, there's going to be major spoilers uh, for this um, because uh, I feel like the film deals with some pretty complex themes, and in order to talk about them in a way that will do them justice, I am going to need to spoil some some plot developments and uh, I know the movie is very popular but I don't want to assume that everybody has seen it at this point so um, if you've not seen Toy Story 3 and you don't want me to spoil it I would say turn this off go see the movie as soon as you can not just so you can come back and listen to me but just because it's a really a wonderful movie uh my my favorite of the year so uh to get back to business, oh actually, and I also wanted to in case you haven 't noticed uh this is a late night record. Uh, you can tell from my hushed tones i 'm trying to speak in a slightly more uh, conversational tone, but uh yes, there's no question that, uh, that this is uh, uh, one of my you know one of my lower uh, vocal tones, so I guess uh I guess somebody's going to call my voice soothing again. Um, which, of course, every time somebody says my voice is soothing, I just assume they mean that I, I'm putting them to sleep. But anyway, um, so here the the movie starts, and uh, and it starts with a, a delightful adventure. We're in the fantasy world of young Andy, and we see the reality that he creates when he's playing with his toys, and it's a really delightful sequence. Um, and we see that, and then... We we cut to, you know, ten years later, and he's about to go to, go to college. The toys are just crammed in a toy box. They never get played with. They have to almost trick him through, uh, you know, uh, stealing his cell phone. They have to trick him in order for him to even open up the toy box and, and even touch them. And so... Uh, some of the toys have been given away, uh, Had been given away. Um, there at the very beginning, you discover that Woody's uh, chief romantic interest in the last two films, which was a uh, a little Bo Peep uh, toy, um, you've discovered that you discover that she has been given away. Um, and so already, I mean, it is a it starts off very sad and very uh, mournfully. And you realize, I mean, just how desperate the situation is. Because now that he's going away to college, he has to decide what to do with the remaining toys. And he decides that he's going to take Woody to college with him. And the rest he's going to put in the attic. And through a mix-up, which, frankly, if you watch the Toy Story movies, you know that there are no shortage of mix-ups in regards to um the way Andy handles his toys or the way other humans handle the toys um but due to a mix up um the the bag of toys including Buzz and Mr. Potato Head and the piggy bank and the Slinky dog and uh, all these other things uh the bag that was going to go up into the attic is now going to be uh it's going to be going into the trash, so um, Buzz and the remaining toys they decide uh, they they make it out of the bag that's headed to the trash and they wind up in a box that is going to a local being donated to a local daycare, and so uh, they they all go to the daycare and and Woody I won't go into to all this all the. I want to get to uh, what I want to get to, um, but Woody tries to save them, and so they, they wind up in this in this daycare, and Woody has heard terrible things about about daycare, uh, and they actually find that uh, the local daycare is actually not not bad. It's in fact, in many ways, it seems like a dream for for toys, and so uh, and it's run. The, the toy that basically has this whole operation going um, uh, is a giant pink teddy bear called Lotso because uh, he is the Lotso Hugs Bear. And uh, so Lotso uh, show, gives them a tour of the place. There's a place where toys can be uh, repaired. Uh, they get played with. Uh, respectfully, and it's going to be, it's just going to be wonderful. And so, um, so Woody uh, just decides he's going to, if Buzz and everybody, if they want to stay at this daycare, then that's fine. Um, He doesn't like the idea of that. He thinks that they should go back to the house and stay in the attic. But of course there was that misunderstanding uh, and the toys thought that Andy was putting them in the trash when in fact it was supposed to be the attic. Um, and so Woody leaves and, uh, through a series of unfortunate events, finds himself, uh, in the care of a young girl, um, who is the daughter of the woman who owns the daycare. And so, uh, so he finds himself in her room with her, her other toys and she, she loves her toys. She takes very good care of them. And the toys really enjoy um, being, you know, owned by her. Uh, but they do tell horror stories about that daycare. And um, and then we see what the daycare is like for new toys. And if you're a new toy, you get put in the, you know, in the toddler room. Um, and you just get glue poured on you, you get torn up, you get bitten. You get all kinds of terrible things happening to you. And, and Buzz, you know, the, the new toys are all confused. This, you know, does Lotso, does, does Lotso know that this is going on? Um, this is all very strange. And so, yeah, they go to register a complaint at which point it is revealed that Lotso, uh, he knows exactly what's going on. And he is, he, he kind of runs the daycare, uh, like a hierarchy where, hey, you're the new toy. You got to go through the, you got to go through the crap. Um, before you can graduate, as it were, to you know the the nicer area, um, and he he runs it like a like a prison basically, and he's the warden um, there, and his his primary uh, enforcer is a is a baby doll uh, that's kind of creepy looking actually. Um, it looks a little damaged. It doesn't talk. Uh, but it's larger than in the other toys, and it just uh, it does whatever Lotso tells it to do, and so uh, so yeah, it's you know all of a sudden the the new toys they thought they were going to be living in this wonderful place, and in fact they find themselves uh, trapped there. You know, there's uh, security cameras and all these things, and Lotso is just it just runs it like a like a fascist dictator, uh, and meanwhile. Meanwhile, uh, over, uh, you know, following Woody, he finds out what happened to Lotso uh, to cause him to be like this, and so here's where we're going to start to get into the the thematics of the film. Uh, I'll talk about this, and then I'll I'll talk about some stuff with the ending of the film, and then we'll start getting into. First off, just my reaction to the film in general, but also just getting into the, the themes uh, and, and what the film is trying to say. Um, so we discover that Lotso once had an owner. Lotso, Big Baby, and then this clown toy, which is not in the daycare. It is in the room of this, this young girl. And, uh, so these three were once owned years before by another young girl and Lotso was so incredibly loved by this girl. And then as will sometimes happen, of course, there's a misunderstanding, the little girl and her mom, uh, they go out to, you know, be to like a park and they just, and they have a picnic and, oh, it's so much fun. And then the little girl and her mom drive away not knowing that they have left Lotso, Big Baby, and the clown toy not knowing that they've left them behind. And Lotso is of course uh, devastated but the three of them make the long trek back to the house of this little girl and it must have taken them a while because... uh, as they finally get there, and Lotso climbs up, the, he and uh, climbs up the uh, the 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 wall, and looks in the window. He finds that the little girl now has a new Lotso bear to play with and to hug and to love. And Lotso is, of course, at this point, uh, you know, he was already devastated, but now he's just lost all hope, and his devastation turns to rage and the clown toy and big baby they want to go back into the they want to go back into the house and Lotso says no. He says she abandoned us not just me, she abandoned you guys too. We are never going back there. We're gonna do our own thing. And then they go to the daycare and they basically take it over. So at this point I will say that uh that I won't go into the full plot but what I will say is that um near the end um Woody, Buzz and all the other all of uh, Andy's other toys uh they escape from the uh, from the daycare but they also they they find themselves um, out of the frying pan and into the fire because they're in a, uh, you know, gar- a trash processing facility. And Lotso is there with them through various things. Um, and there is a moment when they're all, you know, on one of those one of those de- delightfully cinematic conveyor belts that, it, that will take you to your doom. Um, and, uh, and they're all going to be destroyed, but they all find a way out. Uh, and Woody even winds up saving Lotso's life. And, uh, and it's like, all right, that's great. And, and you're very excited. you you know, you feel like Lotso, you know, this flies in the face of what he expected to happen. But then at the end, uh but then you know, then it gets even worse, their circumstances get even worse, and uh they find themselves in a position where they are going they're all going to die, and the only person that can save them is Lotso. I realize that I'm being very vague right now, and I apologize. But, you know, if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. And Hopefully, you, you will have watched the film before listening to this. Anyway, so they're in a position where they're going to be destroyed unless Lotso helps them. All he has to do is push a button. But he doesn't. Instead, he asks them one question. He says, where's your owner now? And then he leaves. And they are left to fend for themselves. And there's a moment that is probably my favorite in the film. It has been mentioned in some reviews, um, and rightfully so, where Woody and Buzz and all the other toys, they find themselves in a room where they are all headed towards a huge fire. They are going to be destroyed. And they're all, like, fighting against it. You know, they're they're just getting closer and closer to this fire, and they're all fighting against it. And then all of them, it seems to dawn on them all at once, That this isn't going to happen. They are not going to be able to get out of this. And they all look at each other. And they grab each other's hands. Because this is it. And And in these last moments all they have is each other. And they just wait for the inevitable. Knowing that they've done all they could. And that's the end. Um, Of course, that's not the end of the actual film. That would be incredibly depressing. Um, And then all of a sudden, uh, a claw comes out from the sky and scoops them up and saves them. And the claw is being uh, handled by or controlled by those three squeaky alien things that uh, Andy got at Pizza Planet uh, in the first film and of course uh, those the things are obsessed with claws and when they all went to the trash facility the aliens found themselves separated and they base and they save uh the toys and it actually seems like to a certain extent a deus ex machina it's like oh how convenient but at the same time it's it's less a deus ex machina and much more of just a general payoff you know you wonder it's like you know these green guys yeah they're deli- they're, they're cute and everything but like why are they being kept around they only ever say the same thing over and over again. It's starting to get kind of annoying. Their obsession with the claw, their obsession with, you know, their lives being saved and all this sort of thing. And then, of course, finally, they're able to control the claw and they save uh, our heroes. And then, of course, you get the nice symmetry of Mr. Potato Head saying, you've saved our lives, we're eternally grateful to the, the green alien squeaky toys. Um, And then, at the end, uh, Andy winds up taking all of the toys and giving them to uh, the, the one girl, the daughter of the woman who owns the daycare. He gives his toys to her because he knows that they will be well taken care of and they will be loved. And he plays with them one last time. And... <laughs> He doesn't know they're alive, of course, but he thanks them nonetheless for all the great times that they gave him. And so it ends with Woody and Buzz and everyone else just, they're in a new home and they are going to be played with and loved again and they're together. Um, As you can tell, I'm getting a little misty already, <laughs> and if you've watched the movie, my guess is you probably, you probably did too when you watched it. Um. And so here's what we're gonna. So first off, I just want to you know, the the film is wonderful, um, the story is amazing. It takes the characters to places that y- you would never think a, a a family film, a kids film, for lack of a better term, uh, would go. Um, but I like Pixar. I like how much it respects its audience. I like how much it seems to understand that kids can kids can process a lot more than we give them credit for. If you look at the old days of Disney, you'll find movies like Pinocchio, Bambi, Snow White. Really, I mean, there's some scary stuff in those films, and some emotional complexity as well. Uh, but you know, Walt Disney understood that children grasp a lot more than we think they do and pixar seems to know that as well and so uh, it refuses to talk down to them to condescend to them um and it just it tells the story uh, pixar they tell the stories that they're going to tell and and that's it and i like that attitude i like that i i'm i'm a big fan of when artists do not Look down on their audience and think like, oh well, these idiots. You know, I gotta throw in a, a poop joke so that the kids will laugh. Um, Pixar doesn't have that attitude, and I like I like that. So, um, so of course, all the voice acting is very good. Um, you know, the traditional. I mean, the, the it's pretty much the same casting uh, as the other as the other films. Uh, Tom Hanks is of course wonderful as Woody. Um, and is able to explore some uh, some new things within the character, because you know here it, certainly at the beginning of the film, we have a Woody who is incredibly desperate, and Woody has always been a kind of neurotic character. But here, his desperation is actually quite sad. His loyalty to Andy is it, it seems it seems delusional. I mean, it's it's crazy. The other characters just they almost look at him as pathetic. Um, and Tom Hanks is able to voice that beautifully, uh, Tim Allen is able to, uh, you know, he doesn't really, there, there's not a lot of places for, for Buzz to go, uh, emotionally in this film, but, you know, he's still there, he's, he's still dependable, and, uh, Tim Allen, of course, does a great job with that, um, and, uh, you know, there's a there's plenty of new characters and they're voiced by some bigger name actors, um, which is not necessarily a sensibility that I like. Um, I don't think you have to go with a name actor in every single part. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg does a voice in this and it's a character that, you know, to my knowledge doesn't even really have a name. Um you know, it's really it's really fascinating. Um Jeff Garland does a voice in it, and it's just you know, but that's fine. They they don't do a bad job, but you know, having having talked you know having talked to some people myself uh, on Battleship Pretension who have done voiceover stuff, um, they they tend to feel not necessarily cheated, but it's like you know why why give a part to a to an actor who is not necessarily known for their voice when you could actually and they and they do a perfectly adequate job at best? Why do that when you could give it to a trained voice actor who people may not know the name of but could really do something with that part? Uh, so, the sensibility usually bothers me, but what i 'll say is casting Whoopi Goldberg and Timothy Dalton and Bonnie Hunt and Jeff Garland and all these parts um, they all do a very a very good job with them, and so you know um, so it it doesn 't really bother me in this film. Um, what I will say though is a, as the voice of Lotso, you know it's a key it's a key role, and you need an actor who is able to convey uh, gentleness and warmth. Uh, at the beginning before you know who Lotso really is. Um, And then when it comes time for him to show his true colors, um, you need someone who can be hard and mean and angry and bitter. Um, And they cast uh, actor Ned Beatty, who if you've watched uh, Network, you can see just how amazing... An actor he is. He's he's been in a lot of things. He was nominated for network for a performance in which I think he was in the film a total of ten minutes, um, and it's uh, his performance is that, and that is really wonderful. He was also in a movie uh, that I highly recommend called Spring Forward. It's with him and Liev Schreiber, and uh, and it's a film nobody's really heard of. It's not a not a wonderful film in general, but it's it's written well and it's acted beautifully and. And Ned Beatty is just one of those actors. He's very he's just he can always be counted on. He's just a really solid character actor. And he manages to take I mean, I don't know if Ned Beatty's ever done voiceover work, but it's certainly, you know, if he hasn't, you'd never know. He really he hits every every aspect of Lotso that needs to be hit. So uh so the and of course visually it's wonderful. I mean that the 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 climax of the film, um, in the trash uh processing facility. I mean, it is like I mean, it will I'm sorry to think to put it in terms of like uh, you know, press quotes and stuff, but it will it will it is it will take your breath away. I mean, it is I remember I walked out of the film and I was just like that that last sequence, it is more stressful than like Jurassic Park, which is quite possibly one of the most stressful movies I've ever seen. Uh just the fact that they just, these characters just cannot catch a break. And just when they get out of one bad situation, they find that they've gotten themselves into a worse situation. Um, And it's just, in many ways, it is, it is uh, directed like, like an action movie, like a, like a, you know, a a jail escape, a prison escape movie. Um, It's just, it, it, it runs the gamut of all these different film genres. And, uh, but it, it it brings them all together, and it really feels like one complete film, as opposed to just okay. Here's the here's the prison section. Here's the action section. Here's the heartfelt section. It all feels like a very fluid story. Um, and so the director, his name is Lee. I don't, I'm going to mispronounce this. I right know his name is Lee Unkrich or Unkrich. Um, he does a really wonderful job of just bringing all of these things together. And he's he has a, a, a history with with Pixar, this is the first thing he's directed, uh, and he just does a, an amazing job. So, uh, so I highly recommend it. Um, I, I'm I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't remember if I mentioned this in the Wall-E or the Up episode, but uh, there are some people who look at the fact that these are cartoons, um, that these are animated films, and they just feel and they just feel like, oh, those are for kids and they just they just put up this mental barrier in their own mind that says okay well that's for kids i'm an adult so i'm not going to go do this um and if if you're one of those people do literally do yourself a favor take that take that block out of your mind go and see this movie of course if you haven't seen toy story 1 and 2 go and rent those and then and then watch watch this movie um because It is just, it is such a powerful film. As I mentioned, it's my favorite movie of the year. Um, I don't know, I'm sure something in the fall will come along to unseat it, but man, it is just, it's really something. Uh, I am absolutely astounded by it. And so now we're going to get into the part where I talk about some some of the themes of the film, specifically the themes that jumped out at me. And... This is the section where I'm going to, I, I might make some people mad. I don't know. Um, because, well, you'll, you'll see. But, um, as always, I'll give the same disclaimer I always do. I don't, I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to sound judgmental. I'm not trying to do any of these things. This is literally just the way I took the my interpretation of these themes. Um, so here we go. Uh, so in my view, this film is all about faith. And, now when I say faith, I don't necessarily mean a faith in God. I don't know if any of the the filmmakers, any of the people behind the movie, I don't know if they are Christian or not. Um, I would assume that they're not. Um, but, nonetheless, this is absolutely a film about faith. Now in the case of the film... It's about faith in owners. Okay. Uh, In the case of, you know, for Woody, it's faith in Andy. Believing that he he has been, his goal as a toy is to always be there for Andy when Andy needs him. And trusting that Andy will be loyal to him as well. And he has, he has tremendous faith in Andy that's not to imply that he doesn't have doubt of course he has doubt all the time I mean that's what all these that's what these movies have are, are always about is him coming to grips with his relationship with Andy and him dealing with his doubt and always coming out rewarded or not maybe not rewarded I'm sorry vindicated vindicated uh in his faith in Andy, so that's one side of it. On the other side, we have Lotso and his lack of faith. And when I looked at the when I looked at the character arc of Lotso. I was reminded of something. I was reminded of... (laughs) I was reminded of the arc of certain... I guess I'll just say atheists. Certain... what What is described as a... What has been described as a militant kind of atheist. Um... No, I know that not. I, I know that Christian. It's not only Christians that listen to the show. I know there's some agnostics, and I know that there's some atheists. I don't want to make it seem like I'm attacking you. I really don't. Um, and frankly, if you are, if you're an atheist who arrived at that conclusion because of just a fundamental problem with a belief in God, or Christianity, or whatever the case may be, um, you know, if you have, like, just a, like, an academic problem with it, or a logic problem with it, or whatever, um, that's fine. I've, I, I of course, don't agree, but that's fine. That's not what I'm speaking to. What I'm speaking to are... Because this is, we're going to be operating under a, a theory of mine now. Um... Because living in Los Angeles and talking to some of the people that I've talked to, I, <laughs> I have found that there are atheists who are, and I'm not saying anything particularly new when I say this, there are some atheists who are so violently, not literally violently, but violently opposed to the idea of God that they become, I'm sorry to use the word, intolerant they hate the idea of god they hate the idea that somebody believes in god and they will not stop pestering people they will not stop cri- uh, criticizing people mocking people they will try to shame people out of their faith out of their religion um and you know and i i've i've heard people say like oh well these these atheists they're just as annoying as as evangelicals you know because they're just trying to get people uh they're just trying to get people on board with them you know and they're trying just as hard it's just like a religion um and maybe maybe that's the case i don't know uh but man i really don't want to offend people here all right anyway so my feeling, my personal feeling, and again, this is just my theory, and I'm sure and I, I have no doubt that there are exceptions to this. but my feeling is that if there is a specific kind of atheist or maybe an agnostic, I guess there are passionate agnostics out there um that sounded that sounded a little mocking, and I apologize about that. Um, I feel like if you arrive at something academically. I think you are probably a little more objective about it. And so your attitude about it will probably be a little more reasonable, a little more, again, tolerant. Whereas I think some of the people that I'm talking about, I think think they rejected belief. I think they rejected faith. And my my guess, I don't think they arrived at their unbelief. I think they sought it out after being after feeling as if they had been betrayed by their faith. They wanted something out of it. Perhaps they were promised something. And it didn't happen. And it is so infuriating to them. That they are, they don't just, they don't merely reject it. They work actively against it. Now, I realize I just made a very grand statement. And I have no doubt I'm probably going to get some emails about this. But, Lotso's story (laughs) in Toy Story 3, to bring it back to this, it's the, his story reminded me of, of that, of that idea that I that that, perhaps I'll say bias, that bias that I have, that maybe prejudice that I have, against certain types of atheists, because I'll be honest, I've been, I've been, I won't. This is going to be a this is a really melodramatic word. I, I've been targeted by a couple of them in a public forum, and you just, and the the rage. ...that they have... ...you feel like, how did you get here? It is the rage of... ...it seems to me that it is the rage of someone... ...who has been betrayed... ...or at least has felt betrayed. And so... ...so that to me is what... ...what Lotso's story is. You have, on one side... ...you've got Woody's faith... ...and it is... ...there are doubts but it is unwavering. Even in the face of what he is sure is rejection, all these other things, but he believes in Andy. He believes that Andy loves him. Then you have Lotso, and due to his own misunderstanding of the facts, he wasn't abandoned. He was lost. And there's a big difference between those two. And so when and so of course he makes the the long journey and he want he wants to reconcile with his owner and he finds that the owner which is of course just a little girl he finds that she has replaced him and so he rages against not just her but the idea of owners in general the idea that owners love their toys and he also When Big Baby and the clown toy, when they want to go back in the house, he says, no. She has rejected you too. She has abandoned you. Not just me, you. He refuses to let other people accept the idea of an owner and enter into that relationship. He is so angry that almost, it's almost the idea if I can't have an owner, no one will. And so, and it should be noted that I, I, did, I did say a specific line, um, because it really struck me where he has the ability to save Woody and Buzz, even at, and they, they had saved him. So you'd think he would owe them but he doesn't feel that sense of responsibility. He, instead, when, when the tables are turned and, he, and he's in a position to save them, rather than actually doing it and rather than feeling obliged to them because they saved his life, he sees the opportunity to win. He sees the opportunity to make his point. And the point he makes is, where's your owner now? When he said that line, I was reminded of a line said by Edward G. Robinson in the movie The Bible, directed by John Huston. And the line is, where's your Messiah now? Now, I don't know if the filmmakers meant for that to happen. But it's where my mind went. And it just... And so this whole thing just really took me to uh, some places emotionally because I don't know I I guess I just wanted to speak to I wanted to use this Lotso's story because we can all I mean we've all seen the film at this point I assume everyone has gone to see it and we can see what has happened To And he is a miserable person. Toy, bear, whatever. Um... Not to imply, of course, that Woody is happy all the time. But he has the proper perspective. His faith has given him the proper perspective. Um... So I'm going to bring up the companion film now. The companion film is Falling Down, directed by Joel Schumacher, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, How on Earth, the guy, the same guy who directed Batman and Robin, is responsible for Falling Down it is beyond me, but it happened. And uh, for those that haven't seen Falling Down, it's basically about... Uh, a guy, a very straight-laced guy with a crew cut and a, tie, a shirt and tie, a short sleeve shirt and tie, of course, played by Michael Douglas. And he is stuck in traffic one day in Los Angeles, and he just has had enough. So he gets out of his car and decides, I'm going home. And as he walks across Los Angeles, he, he keeps interacting with people who, for one reason, whether it be belligerent homeless people, belligerent construction workers, belligerent convenience stores, convenience store owners, uh, belligerent gang members. Are you noticing a theme? Uh, the film does not have a uh, very high view of Los Angeles, but it's also very heightened. We're, we're, we see the world as he sees it, which is people who are always working against him. And once he has made that decision that he just cannot take it anymore, he just, I'll use that word again, rage, he rages against these people he comm- he starts committing violent acts and then the cop who starts to piece together that maybe you know he he he's played by Robert Duvall and it's his last day you know he's going to he's retiring with his wife to Lake Havasu and um and so he hears about one crime and then he hears about another and it's always a guy with a shirt and tie and glasses and he starts to realize that it's the same guy making his way across Los Angeles and so he starts following the case. Um, over the course of the film, you learn that Michael Douglas's character, whose name is, he isn't really given a name um, until later in the film, and you discover that his name is Bill, but he is also listed as Defense. D-F-E-N-S, which is his license plate number. He His character worked for... Uh, I think uh, the defense department or something like that. No, not the defense department, but uh, I think he works at like a company that makes defensive weapons. Um but it is revealed that he his character is divorced and that he has a daughter that he's not allowed to see because the the rage that has caused him to go across Los Angeles uh, also came out uh, during his marriage and he could be very scary. Um, to his wife. And so he's not allowed to see his daughter. And you find out he's also been, he'd also been laid off from his job. So all these things come out. And then you also find out more about the cop, played by Robert Duvall. Character's name is Prendergast. You never find out his first name. And you find out that he, you know, he hasn't lost his job, but he is about to leave his job, um... Because he's getting pressure from his wife, who is kind of a she's kind of a nervous wreck um, he's getting pressure from his wife to retire early and just and leave Los Angeles because she's worried about him and all that um, and you discover that they had a baby, but that the baby died at the age of two of sudden infant death syndrome, which of course children they die when they 're infant of that when they're infants not when they're two um so you find you you follow these two guys over the course of this day, and you just you see the way they they dealt with their circumstances because they're very the circumstances are very similar. They're both losing their jobs for re, you know. Duval may be he may be voluntarily retiring, but it certainly wasn't his idea. It's his wife's idea, and his wife can be something of a harpy. So, in a sense, he, he may still be married, but it's not the happiest of marriages. Michael Douglas's character is divorced, and because of the, the circumstances surrounding his divorce, he cannot see his daughter. Robert Duvall's daughter has died. So, in a way, these guys have gone through very, very similar things. And, of course, the way they deal with it is very different. One of them looks, and and you find out when the two finally confront each other at the end, um, that Michael Douglas he's just so furious because he feels betrayed by the system that he was a part of. He says, he says, you know, he says they lied to me. All these things that they said was were that you know, go and get yourself a job get a wife, have a kid, and you'll be happy. And nothing nothing bad will happen. You won't lose any of those. And then, of course, systematically, he loses them all. And he, said, and he feels betrayed, and he feels like society, culture, the country, whatever, humanity in general, has lied to him. And then Robert Duvall responds with, Is that why you're doing what you're doing? Because you were lied to? They lie to everybody. They lie to the fish. That doesn't give you an excuse to do what you did today. And so you see that one that these guys who faced very similar things dealt with it in completely different ways. One of them to, saw it as an excuse to fly off the handle, to try to try to justify himself as if he's the only one in the world that matters. Robert Duval, however, acknowledges that yeah this is a pretty (laughs) is a pretty (laughs) shitty deal that happened to me losing my daughter having a wife that I don't really like that much but that's what happens but I need to believe in the goodness of this system and I need to have faith in it because it's really all I have now and that faith gives him perspective. It doesn't mean that he denies his feelings. It just means he's not controlled by them. So, you can see the parallel between Lotso and Woody and Defense and Prendergast. And you see what we can learn from these. Um... And as I said, I'm not talking right now to all atheists. And I'm not even really necessarily talking to atheists. Because there are plenty of Christians, I'm one of them, who, when things start going bad, when something bad happens, and a lot of this I covered in the, the Serious Man episode, but things come our way, and we have a choice of how we can respond to them. And it can be very tempting to look at the loss of a job, the loss of romance, or the or how about this, the general lack of romance. You know, maybe you never had a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever. Um, you know, so loss of a job, loss of romance, loss of a loved one, disease. It's possible to look at those and say, you know, I've been lied to. Where is my... Messiah now? Where is my owner now? And and the temptation is to look at that and just say clearly he's not there. I'm done with this. I'm done with it. And you know what? Because I believed in him for so long, now I'm furious. I was lied to by my parents, my church, my friends, whatever, and I, I. Now it's time for me to do a little a little raging of my own. Um. And so I wanted. I wanted to say that when these things happen, I'm sorry. <laughs> when these things happen and you wonder where god is he's right i'm sorry he's right there he's crying with you he's yelling with you he doesn't he's not happy about whatever it is that has happened We have this image of God's will as this steamroller that just rolls over us because he's got this thing that needs to be done and to hell with you. But it's not that. Sure, he may let things happen. And he may let them happen because there's a purpose, but that doesn't mean that he enjoys it. It doesn't mean he wants it to happen. I have an image I have an image in my mind for those I don't know if you've seen Kramer vs. Kramer, but uh starring Dustin Hoffman that won a bunch of Oscars in seventy nine. Um but there's an image of uh Dustin in my mind of Dustin Hoffman when his son uh hurts himself and needs to get stitches and in the moment when his son is getting stitches the son is crying. He is in pain, and he just doesn't want to be there. And Dustin Hoffman is holding him really tight because. But the, th- the thing is, he doesn't want his son to be hurt, getting these stitches. But he understands that this for that this is something that needs to happen. If his son is going to get better, this is something that needs to happen. Now, of course, the son doesn't know that. The son only knows that this hurts right now. And no, And I want to get away from it. I cannot believe my dad is holding me here. Why is he doing this to me? But, of course, the dad is able to see... Because he's older and wiser, he's able to understand the situation more, that if this doesn't happen, the sun will not get better. It hurts now, it's excruciating now, but it will get better. And in the meantime, while you're going through this, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to hold on to you, I'm not leaving Um, I have some Bible verses here that I was going to, that I would like to read. Um, man, this episode turned out to be hard for everyone, it would appear. Um, so (laughs) there is a uh, pastor that I read, uh, that I, that I listened to. His name's Tim Keller. I'm sure I've made reference to him before. Um, and he has a, a really interesting sermon that I think I've referenced in the past, uh, so you can go to the Timothy Keller podcast in iTunes and then look for the uh, sermon called uh, Praying Your Tears, I believe is what it's called. And he talks about the idea of what we can do um, when things aren't going our way. And I, and I realize that in phrasing it that way, it's a little reductive, like, oh, man, things are going my way. I didn't get that awesome car. You know, uh, it could also mean all the things I've been talking about, death of a loved one, whatever um so he quotes a a verse in there that he said he he always had a difficult time with because it's the it it's all about raging at god and being angry at god and blaming god and it's psalm 39:10 uh it's 10 through something i didn't write it down um and it's and it's uh so we're speaking to god here Remove your scourge from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. You rebuke and discipline men for their sin. You consume their wealth like a moth. Each man is but a breath. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping. For I dwell with you as an alien, a stranger as all my fathers were. Look away from me, that I may rejoice again before I depart and am no more. So it's fascinating that in the Bible, which is all about how we should be praising God for the good things we have, in the Bible there's actually this verse here in which someone is saying, look away from me that I may rejoice again before I depart and am no more. Like literally this, is, this person is blaming God, is angry at God for whatever it is he's going through and is saying that once God stops looking at me, once he stops getting involved, Then, uh, then my life will be so much happier, Um, and it's you know it's and Keller brings up this idea that I really like, in which the inclusion of this verse in the Bible implies that God understands when we are upset, even if we're upset at Him, He can handle it, and He understands human emotion. But here's, the, here's what's amazing, is that that, that's the, that section is the last section of Psalm 39. So here we have Psalm 40. So we go right from, look away from me, into this. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many many will see and fear and put their tra- trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to, look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O oh Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. So, the idea that I guess I'm trying to convey is that when things go bad for us, we can just reject the idea, we, can't, we can either see God as a merciless tyrant and turn away from him. We can reject the idea that there is a God at all. Um, but that, but I will say that I w- I think that in that, that feeling of betrayal can lead someone to uh, take all the <laughs> they take all the energy that they were spending loving God, and due to the betrayal they take that energy and turn it into rage at the the very idea of God so much so that they won't even let other people believe in him. Um, again, I know that's a general, uh, a generalization. Um, and I, again, I am sorry if I'm, if I'm offending you. Um, but what I will say is if you are somebody who are, who is going through some rough times, and you feel like God is doing this to you, or at the very least, he's letting it happen, and I would really prefer he not let it happen, um, I would just say that take that anger and turn it to God. Use it as a way of getting closer to him. Even though, as strange as it may sound, it, even though it seems like he's the one causing it? Why would you want to turn to the person that's t- causing you harm? And I want you to keep that image from Kramer versus Kramer in your mind. That he is holding on to us as as these bad things are happening. But he knows that they need to happen for us to be truly healed. And it may be incredibly unpleasant. As I mentioned before, if my wife died tomorrow, I would be you know, who knows? Who knows? I like to think that I would do all the things that I'm talking about right now. But in actuality, I might be like, yeah, I think I'm done with this. I think I've had enough. It's easy for me to say what I think I'll do. And so I don't want to make it sound like I'm being judgmental of people that have rejected God Or rejected the idea of God because bad things happen. It's very understandable. But what I will say is, you know, if you are kind of on the cusp, let's say something's going on in your life and you feel like you're headed down that direction, just (laughs) think about Andy. And think about Woody. And I realize that that sounds really cheesy. But ultimately, for all the misunderstandings and all these other things, it turned out that, like all they ever wanted, like they had, they had all this. You know, Woody had all this faith in Andy, and the most he was hoping for was okay. uh, Andy's attic. I just want to be put in his attic. And his faith paid off in a way that he nor the other toys ever expected. It wasn't just the attic where they would just be forgotten, but at the very least they had they had each other. Andy put them... Andy ensured that they would be loved and cared for. And that's what... That's what happens with us. If we put our faith in God, all the crap that we have to go through... You know, we we think, you know, we have this idea of heaven where we're all sitting on a cloud playing a harp or something. And it is, of course, it pales in comparison to actual heaven and not even merely heaven. It's, it is possible to feel that blessing while you're here. You just, in spite of yourself... And in spite of our, ins- our instincts to feel betrayed when things don't go the way we think they should go. We just need to persevere and have faith. And the amazing thing is, if we feel like we can't have faith, if we pray to God, he will give us that faith. That is what is amazing to me about Christianity and about God and about Christ is that we can turn to him for anything he does not require that we come to him with our faith fully intact he doesn't require that before we show up we just need to show up and ask for help and he'll give it it may not we may not get everything that we think we want but in actuality we may wind up getting so much more uh i think that's where i'm going to end this episode has wound up being 25 minutes longer than i intended it to be um as i mentioned um i know that uh, this one is going to i know that i made generalities generalizations is the word. Why do I keep saying generalities? Um, I know I've made those, and I know I've probably offended someone and and made it sound... I, I realize I've probably set up like this straw man kind of thing. But, frankly, I can only tell you what I got out of a movie. That's the most I can do. And if you... You know, if you feel like I was talking about you and I was misrepresenting you, I'm sorry. Feel free to email me. Um, please do it respectfully. I, even if you feel like I haven't respected you, I, I, I'm i trying to be respectful. I really am. Um, I'm not trying to be a jerk or be mocking or condescending or any of that. Um, but shoot me an email and let me know. Um, yeah, so... It's my interpretation of the film it's the only thing i can it's the only thing I can bring to this um, okay, so there we are. Thank you, everybody for listening. Um, this has been something of an emotional roller coaster ride for all of us. I have to assume um You can find me at morethanonelesson.com. How silly is it to go into plugs at the end of that? Anyway, you can find me at morethanonelesson.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, at morelessons. You can email me, tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. There is a new page up right now where it's called the Now Playing page where you can find out just some basic star ratings of recent movies that uh, I have seen, that Jason has seen, and that Josh has seen. Um, we're pretty much keeping it to those three because we're we're pretty much the, the the three primary bloggers right now, so um so you can you know if you're curious to know like oh, I'm kind of interested in this predators movie, but what do they think about it? um, you can go to the now playing page and and see what uh see what I thought three stars out of four by the way, is what I thought about predators, although I probably will not be talking about it on this show um again uh you can. If, if you happen to be at comic-con and you see me come on over and say hi um you can come to the uh the battleship pretension meetup at the tipsy crow 8 p.m thursday um 770 fifth avenue um so yeah hope to see you there uh in the meantime again thanks everybody for listening and uh yeah i'll get you next time